You're listening to episode number 16 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, I'm Leanne from healthfulpursuit.com, and this is the Keto Diet Podcast, where we're busting through the restrictive mentality of a traditional ketogenic diet to uncover the life you crave. What's keto? Keto is a low-carb, high-fat diet where we're switching from a sugar-burning state to becoming fat-burning machines. If you're in need of keto recipe food prep inspiration, I've prepped a free seven-day keto meal plan exclusive for podcast listeners. The plan is complete with a shopping list and everything you need to chow down on keto for seven whole days. Download your free copy at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash keto meal. Let's get this party started. Hey everyone, happy January 15th. I have some awesome announcements and great things that are happening, but before I get into that, I have to share this awesome thing that's happening this week. Well, it's not really happening, but I just, it's so simple and you're probably going to roll your eyes, but I have to share it with you. It's spaghetti squash in the instant pot. I don't know what it is about winter, but I hate cooking even more than I hate it in the summer. Like it blows me away that this is my profession. It's not that I hate cooking. I just very much dislike spending a lot of time in the kitchen when I can cut corners and like get on with my life and just eat and then go do other things. But with the spaghetti squash in the Instant Pot, I just cut it into quarters and I take out all the guts and I put them in the compost. And then I put it in the Instant Pot for like eight to 10 minutes. I like it 10 minutes so it gets a little bit more squishy than it should. And then while that's cooking, I blend up some really awesome ingredients in the blender, like nut milk or coconut milk or even water. I've done water and tea once. That was pretty good with MCT oil and collagen and some cinnamon. Or if I want to get really crazy, I'll put chai spice in there. And then once the squash is done, I put it in a bowl and I mash it up with the milk and it's like instant porridge. It's so good. And if you want to heat up the milk, I just let it blend in my Vitamix until it gets warm. And then I have a little bowl of porridge and it's like keto and it's really good and you should try it. So what we're covering in today's episode is transitioning from vegan to keto, overcoming negative thoughts about your body and doing keto quote unquote perfectly. So much more we'll be discussing. The show notes for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash E16. And let's hear from one of our awesome partners. The podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, 100% grass-fed beef sticks, my new favorite gut-friendly clean protein snack. There are tons of new snack options on the market today, but nothing quite like Paleo Valley's grass-fed beef sticks. They are made from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, which is really rare, contains all organic spices, are all free of dyes, and are also carb-free, GMO-free, gluten-free, dairy free, soy free, and contain zero grams of sugar. But the big reason these beef sticks make me do the happy dance is that they're fermented. Yes, just like fermented vegetables. 
As a result, each beef stick contains 1 billion naturally occurring gut healing probiotics. They're super convenient, delicious, and great for your gut, so don't miss out. Exclusive to our listeners, Paleo Valley is providing 20% off all orders for a very limited time. You'll also be given first dibs on their brand new, insanely delicious garlic summer sausage and summer sausage flavors, just like healthy mini hickory smoked sausages. Get your fermented 100% grass-fed beef sticks for 20% off by going to paleovalley.com forward slash keto. Load up your cart and the discount will be automatically applied. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash keto. And I have one exciting announcement before we get started today. We have a new partner of the podcast, Thrive Market, which is an online shop where you can save a ton of money on organic products. Everything from gluten-free foods to eco-friendly home goods from brands you love and trust. And all orders are delivered straight to your door. Thrive Market's mission is simple, to make healthy living and organic food accessible to everyone, regardless of where they live or how much money they make. Discounts range anywhere from 25 to 50% off retail, and the app and site make it really, really easy to find your favorites with categories like paleo, gluten-free, and more. And the big bonus here is that all orders are delivered straight to your door and free shipping is on orders over $49. And they offer a money back guarantee. Plus, they've put together a really sweet offer for all keto podcast listeners. Unfortunately, it's just for US listeners only, but there's a lot of you. So hopefully you can cash in on this offer. If you sign up for a 30-day free trial with Thrive Market today, you get a free jar of almond butter. And this almond butter, guys, it's really good. So if you head to thrivemarket.com forward slash HP, you can sign up for that free trial and get a free jar of almond butter. Score! So if you have an idea for a podcast episode or want to submit praise over and above the review, which you're about to leave for the show, right? You can reach me by emailing info at ketodietpodcast.com. We have an awesome interview today with Jamie Rottenberg. She's a licensed physiotherapist, intuitive counselor, and writer specializing in trauma recovery. After a lifetime of medical misdiagnosis, she discovered she was living with late-stage neurological Lyme disease in 2013. While receiving intense daily IV infusions, Jamie reframed her healing experience by creating the dailyinfusion.com, a wellness blog where she offers guidance on how others can begin to reclaim their lives through chronic illness, chronic pain, and the emotional traumas we may hold within our bodies. Through much patience, faith, and will, she continues to experience greater health as a result of embracing a holistic healing approach in all areas of her life that's ever evolving. Her work has been featured on Huffington Post, MindBodyGreen.com, and Elephant Journal. It's her passion to empower others as they reconnect to their bodies so that they can feel safe and secure to express the undiscovered emotional truths that lay underneath their skin. Jamie is a member of our Facebook group and I paneled the group to get some feedback on what you guys thought would be some good guest topics and who wanted to come on the podcast to chat about their keto experience. I love 
this segment of the show. If I could interview keto people for the rest of my life on their experience on being keto, I would be a happy woman. This is my favorite thing to do. So I loved having Jamie on the podcast. If you too love these keto experience podcasts and you want me to do more of them, please, please, please email info at ketodietpodcast.com or leave a review saying that you want me to do that. That way I know what you like and what you don't, because other than that, I can't really tell what you want to see and what you don't. So if you love these sorts of podcast episodes and you want me to do more of them, definitely let me know. And I will, because I love doing them. The reason I wanted to have Jamie on the show was because there's a lot of self-criticism within the keto space. And I wanted to chat with somebody who's kind of gone on the other side of it and really loves and respects their body while also seeing that they still have more work to do. So as somebody myself who receives a lot of criticism from myself as well as others, because I put myself out there in such a big way, I thought it'd be a really good conversation to have between two keto ladies that are eating all the fats and feeling really great and accepting their bodies for where they're at right now, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, or even the way that our bodies display symptoms. So without further ado, let's get to this interview. Hey, Jamie, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, Leanne, I'm really excited. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you bet. So for listeners that may not be familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I am a licensed psychotherapist and intuitive counselor, and I specialize in working with people who've gone through chronic pain, chronic illness, and trauma. I like to get into a lot of somatic work, which connects people back to their body, especially after they've gone through any kind of traumatizing experiences and medical issues, which I personally have experienced. And how did you find keto? I found keto when I started to realize that my obsession with being really interested in healthy through my own recovery from illness wasn't actually as being healthy as possible. Like it wasn't actually true health. And as a therapist, I was doing some somatic work with myself and realizing that I was a little bit disconnected from my body still and started looking up different ways and seeing how that was reflected in my life and my choices. And eating was one of them that just became very highlighted that I was a raw vegan at the time, mostly or mostly vegan. I was trying to do the, the clean thing and being the conscious person and not quite recognizing how many judgments were involved in that. And it was affecting me and my body started getting imbalanced again. So it was a doctor who had mentioned maybe eating some meat here and there. And I had this intellectual barrier to it, mm. but I started looking up information and eventually found your videos and other people's videos about keto. And there was a resonance with this, especially because you talked about having an experience being vegan. And I know it's a very popular choice when people are recovering. It's the popular thing to do to detox, mm. but it didn't quite work for me after a certain period of time. And so I was like, you know what? I might as well try this. That's a scary thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's the scariest thing. Why don't you like, okay, so you went from raw vegan to keto, which I didn't make that drastic of a transition. Uh, mad props to you on that one. What was that experience like? How did you, how do you, how did you even start? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, well, what's interesting is that I, 
actually, I started with, I didn't feel okay to incorporate like red meats right away. So I tried to go really light. And for some reason, I was still in the mindset of restricting a little bit. I didn't realize how much was actually going to be required when you're switching from that sugar burning state to the fat burning state. And I was still eating a lot of vegetables and just drizzling olive oil on everything, Mm. basically, and doing that whole thing. And then realizing that I'm still really hungry. And I actually ended up gaining weight. And so just like, what's going on here? This is my body seems ultra confused. And I just was curious about it. And I examined and I was like, all right, what if I try adding this? And I tried to stay as compassionate as possible with myself as I added different things in, knowing that that weight gain was just reflecting some kind of imbalance that I didn't really know what I was doing. So it required further knowledge, I needed to learn a little bit more. And that's what I did. I just treated it as like this experiment. And so I started, I, I read your fat fuels or I listened to the audiobook. And yeah, who reads I, books? Come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I started structuring my meals that way, realizing that I wasn't really eating you know, throughout the day, I was just kind of haphazardly eating randomly, maybe sometimes later in the day, I would have my first meal and then a dinner and not really eating enough. And once I started eating like three solid meals a day, just to kind of reset my body and getting in this habit of nourishing my body with these foods, I felt so much better. So that was the feedback that I required to really get it. And when I felt better, I was like, all right, I'm going to keep going and just testing it here and there and tweak it when I need to, because we always change as we go. The podcast is partnered with Thrive Market, an online market that offers 25 to 50% off your favorite premium organic products. Thrive Market's mission is to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone and is often described as whole foods products at Costco prices. And they've put together a sweet offer for our US-based podcast listeners. If you're a nut butter lover, you're in luck because when you sign up for a free 30-day trial to Thrive Market today, you get a free jar of almond butter go to thrivemarket.com forward slash hp to sign up for a 30-day free trial with thrive market and get your free jar of thrive market almond butter plus for every new membership thrive market donates a free membership to a family in need teacher or veteran this creamy spread is non-gmo and ready to take your keto milkshake rock a fuel latte or fat bomb to the next level Even better, each jar of Thrive Market Almond Butter is made with only one, yes, one wholesome ingredient, just almonds, no added oils or sugars in sight. Again, that's thrivemarket.com forward slash HP to sign up for your 30-day free trial with Thrive Market today and get your free jar of almond butter. Oh, do we ever? Oh my gosh, so much change. And that's the cool thing. And when you listen to your body, which it sounds like you were doing, it makes it a lot easier. But I think what you were saying is, first, you kind of had to trust your body. And that must have been a pretty difficult thing to get over as well. Did that happen while you were eating keto or the trust and listening to your body? Did that happen before? Well, it happened before because I'd gone through a period of having chronic illness and the way that I recovered a large part of myself through that experience was learning how to surrender into trusting that I didn't really know what was going to happen. I would have to eventually test different treatments to see how I would react. And the key for me was not to judge any part of that experience. So I started learning that, that everything that happened as a result of anything we do with our bodies is just information. 
And the moment we put a judgment on it, we, we kind of create the stagnancy in our progress. And I was determined to heal my body. So as I was doing that, I gained trust in seeing these results. And yeah, of course, there were times and there were moments where I would go into my mind and there'd be that tendency to want to like want everything to go faster and not understanding that the the things that we look at as setbacks are part of the progression and all of that stuff. I could still go there. But usually for me as a therapist, the importance of feeling what was underneath that was always like the priority for me. It was just the drive I knew I had to have to heal. And it's what worked for me in terms of changing my own body. So I kind of instilled those values in the keto transition for myself. Which is phenomenal because I know a lot of people don't even know what's buried under there. Like, yeah, feelings? What? Yeah. <laughs> Negative beliefs toward yourself? I don't think so. <laughs> like, it's, totally. it's such a, uh, I mean, we're not encouraged to feel really. And that's unfortunate. But like you said, I think that your ability to overcome such momentous odds probably put a lot of things into perspective when you say yeah absolutely and what I see with just the people I speak with who go through similar issues is that it's actually not just anybody who considers going through like a life-threatening illness but like we all are conditioned to turn those signals off because we're so afraid of how it might look or how we're going to appear and how like we want to control everything so badly without realizing that that's sort of what's keeping us locked up. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about control. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, you came from a raw vegan and I was raw vegan and I know how much control I had over every morsel that entered my body how have you not gone crazy on keto like what was it that because there's there's one way to do keto which I've done which is macro counting weighing measuring taping like everything and then there's more of the fat fueled approach so how did you go about that for yourself I, well, I was fortunate enough to have you as a resource, oh, so thanks. I sort of modeled myself after what you did, and that's not to say that I didn't go a little crazy because I, I, I did. I was testing for a little bit. I was testing my blood glucose, and I was checking for the ketones, and what I found was I would get the information that quote-unquote looked good, but I wasn't feeling quite right, especially in that weird phase of switching over. And so what I noticed is that it's probably a natural part of the process to as you're shifting and making any change in your life, you're going to uncover some emotions about that change. So what I started to notice going from more of the veganism to this was that I had these addictions and I had to really face that (laughs) I had some feelings about that and that's really what that's what I think we call going a little crazy is we start to have all these things stirred up and we don't always believe we can cope with it and so how did you deal with like some of the emotions I know for me a a huge emotion is the like the emotional nourishment that I get from food And Mm -hmm. usually when I'm hungry, I really, really have to ask myself, is it because I had a bad day? Is it because somebody said something not so nice to me? Like, am I actually hungry? (laughs) Because my big thing is like, and I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, I had a bad day, therefore I'm going to eat and it makes me feel better. So how did you deal with some of the emotions that came up from the switch? 
I I needed to once again put on my scientist cap and explore and really uncover what is creating this situation right now. Like, what is this really about? And it comes from that feeling of like this lifetime feeling of restricting and that this is just another way of I've been I'm trying to control this whole experience of going keto. And I'm just being reminded in this moment right now, if I have this urge to binge on something or I have this urge to do this, then that's my little cue to take a look at what am I actually not digesting emotionally. So for me, it was looking at just the principles of how we digest our food, for instance. And I would apply that to in this moment that if we just eat a meal and we're full and then, I don't know, a half hour later you get hungry again when your body actually hasn't digested, it hasn't been given the time and space to digest that meal and you add more stress onto the body, it's going to, you're going to have some kind of symptom that's going to arise. There's going to be a message from your body to tell you there's something that's up that you have to take a look at. And so that's just what I would do when I would have those urges come up when I knew I was actually doing the right things or whatever, there was always something to look at emotionally. And I would look at what's the belief that I have behind this action right now. What is this belief that I don't feel good enough? There's something there's something about my experience right now that I'm not comfortable with. And I'm going to try and distract myself from this feeling and not really fully digest it and add another stress by eating some chocolate and binging on that or, you Mm -hmm. know, going into a bag of chips and going really crazy. And now I've just added all this other stress that I have to now digest later as well or keep going and it's going to eventually come out. So I have to actually just feel it. And I find that like a kid that's what I have to do. I have to go into this kind of childlike place by myself without projecting this emotion on anybody else and crying it out or getting, you know, frustrated and actually like physically acting out that emotion to get it out of my body because that's what needs to happen for me to digest it. Yes. I, when I realized that I could go into my car and drive and scream at the top of my lungs, it was such a liberating, like, how have, how have I not figured this out until like six months ago? And I was just in my car and I was really frustrated and just started screaming and crying and it was the best emotional release. But I think in today's day and age, even when I say that, I'm like, are people going to think I'm crazy? But I mean, emotions are there for a reason. And after I did that, I was so happy and I felt so much better. So, I mean, oftentimes I'm guilt, like guilty of it too, of, of coming home and not allowing those emotions to release. And then I just bury myself in food. I mean, it's, it's a thing that happens. So I love your point on the emotions and, and beliefs behind all of these thoughts, but how... I know that a lot of women listening are like, emotions, really great. That's all fine and dandy. But I hate my body. And no amount of feeling my emotions is going to help the fact that, and insert horrible thing about yourself, I'm fat, I'm chunky, I'm whatever, in a derogatory term, you know, toward yourself. How, like, did did you ever have those feelings about yourself or do your clients? And how do you navigate feeling better about oneself? Absolutely. I think every human does to some extent. Because, well, for me, I am somebody who is sort of like an intellectual knowledge junkie. That's sort of how I started out is like, I wanted to gain as much information as possible to understand my experience. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't realize that part of that was also avoiding all of these reasons that we have that like all the voices that come up that tell us that we're not good enough as we are. And so like the way that I always started out anything is just trying to explore what it is that creates that condition. Like, why is it that we as human beings have developed into a place where we're shaming ourselves all the time? So I started looking at things more generally. It's like, all right, I don't feel admitting. I don't feel so safe in my body right now. I feel like things kind of suck. I'm kind of hating myself. So what if I just zoom out for a bit and I take a look at why is this happening and why does everyone feel this way? And I started to understand how these pressures can develop over time, not just based on whatever traumas we may have collected over time, but just little subtle messages we receive from society, the media and our parents and our friends, and just ways in which we're taught to doubt ourselves through our environment. And when I started seeing things from this a little bit more of a general perspective, it became easier for me to see I wasn't really alone and having developed these feelings, and I felt a little less shame about it, that most people, we, we all were kind of in this together. And there was something about feeling connected to something in that that helped me have a little bit more compassion and soften to myself a little bit more. And once I was softened to why why I had those beliefs and how it was created, then I could really start it's like it naturally I wanted to treat myself better and doing just maybe one thing that was different and felt truly loving and nourishing to my body every day. And just trying that one thing, whether it was literally going for a walk, even if I could only walk around the block once, I knew I was getting some movement in. So for me, it was like this acceptance plus movement of some kind created this transformation. So I gathered this information to accept how did I get here? And then there's some kind of internal movement and choice that I then make that builds that muscle to get a little bit stronger that I can, I do know how to treat my body right. And as I start treating it right, I want to treat it right more. Mm -hmm. And then I start feeling a little bit better about my body. I hope that makes sense. Totally. It does to me. I'm, I'm a really visual person. So I imagine like just changing the lens of your glasses Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. In fact, I started spinning recently. I started going to like once a week spin classes just to like get into the groove a little bit because I love cycling and I haven't done it for so long. And the teacher, bless her heart, I don't think she meant anything by it, but she had a bunch of music videos playing like as we're spinning. And all of it was of like practically naked women that were all like super thin and like oh. everything that I wished that I would have been, you know, tw- two years ago, three years ago. And it was so triggering. It would have been so triggering for me a couple of years ago. Like I need to be that. And why doesn't my body look like that way? But like you were saying that lens, I saw it as like, isn't that unfortunate? Like, I really hope that those girls that are in that music video actually wanted to do that. And what are the other women thinking? And like, their bodies don't look like that. Are they feeling really bad about themselves? I really want to give all the women a hug because we're all in this together. And, you know, but a lot of people don't think like that. And they have that other lens of, I don't look like that. Therefore, I'm bad. And I need to work harder on this bike. Right. But it's... It's sad that it's like this. 
Yeah. And that's the thing is we come to link our self-worth and our value based on these judgments and thoughts that we've collected and these beliefs we've collected. But the truth is none of those beliefs and emotions that we hold within us and the thoughts that we have within us determine our value. It's just it's just not true <laughs> that our the willingness and to have the humility to feel all of your experience in life and and like see the truth of it and love that and be with that that is actual that's where the value is it's not in all of the other stuff that we seem to think creates like our worth yes totally and within the ketogenic realm because we're both keto ladies totally crushing the fats i know for myself keto well i understood body love and self-acceptance and all that stuff it wasn't until i went keto that it was sort of like a phased approach of eating enough fat and actually feeling like emotionally balanced. I didn't mm. feel as quote unquote, like crazy as normal. My brain felt more balanced. Would you say that you had some experiences where body love and acceptance came easier when you became keto? Yeah, I definitely noticed that just because also there wasn't this constant lingering hunger that I was living with without really realizing I was living that way, doing the whole vegan thing. It just, I, it was never enough. Nothing was ever enough without me. It's just how I lived for years, uh, the majority of my life. I was like vegetarian. So I, when I switched to keto, it's like you feel the sensation of being full for the first time. <laughs> and then you're like, wait a minute, how was I treating myself before? Mm. <laughs> because I thought I'd done all this work on myself. I'm so proud. I do my therapy. And then it's just like, oh, no, girl, <laughs> you got some more stuff like you didn't even see when you added more of this fat and actual nourishing foods and properly eating in the food timing and noticing that there's an entire different way to experience life and it's much more balanced and because we're more balanced we have more awareness mm. way more like way more awareness like I know I can't even remember what uh, oh I had a so I stopped eating stevia for like a couple of weeks just because I was curious to see what would happen and then I had a drop of it in some like coconut butter or something and then the next day I woke up with a pimple and I was like Kevin my husband I got a pimple from the stevia <laughs> he's like what are you talking about how do you even know that it was the stevia I'm like I just know <laughs> you know oh my God, yeah the same thing happened to me when I, I did the same experience of just I'm going to cut out anything that like adds sweetness to yeah. things just to see where my addiction really lies right now like just to test this out and it totally yes it reveals stuff to you you just start seeing things yeah which I mean when I was vegan I'm I was like looking at old meal plans a while ago of like what I ate when I'm vegan there's no way that I knew what was happening in my body at that point mm, no when I was eating like every two hours I was always hungry and now it's like you're just not ruled by that hunger anymore like just that deep insatiable hunger no matter how much you eat it's never enough and i could just keep eating yep and, I, and there's yeah. oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say i think that creates a lot of space to do other things like listen to your body and maybe like 
go out with your girlfriends. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the cool thing also. It's like I love to go for really long walks or just like go by down. I live in Los Angeles, so I'll go down to the beach and just I used to walk and walk for miles and miles. But when I was doing vegan, I have to like stop off and get like these I get these little sweets here and there and little oh raw gosh. vegan treats, which are totally not even nourishing at all. There's no nutritional value in it. But I'm eating just things filled with agave and just tons of nuts, which actually had an effect on me that I didn't realize until I went keto. But all this stuff that that it's like, I can't just do this leisurely walking without thinking about it even. And when you go keto, when you start shifting this way of being fat fueled, which is actually where I'm really at right now, is being more fat fueled and a lot more flexibility. But I can go for these long walks and not once do I have to think about that I didn't eat because I'm not hungry. <laughs> like blowing my mind my vegan self is like what do you mean you're not hungry don't you yeah. want a vegan treat <laughs> and they're so good they're so tasty but I didn't even realize I was like oh that's why I'm breaking out on my chin all the time when I was vegan oh yeah. okay got it it all comes together right <laughs> um so I'm assuming that you probably have some sort of self-care practice would that be fair to say do you have a self-care practice yeah, I mean, it's. I always feel a little funny talking about this because I feel like the self care practice is just. I just try to live in a healing state, knowing mm. that I'm never really done. I'm always going to be changing, and I'm never going to have things perfect. And so I kind of live with this flexibility every day to not be as rigid as I once was. And I call that my self care practice, basically, which is not to be crazy with planning every single moment. And that if in this moment, I'm feeling a particular way in my body, I will listen to what it feels like at that time. And if that means I'm going to not talk to anybody for the rest of the day, go down by the ocean and take a bunch of pictures, I'm going to do that. If it means I'm going to go see a movie with friends, I'll do that. But it's going to change all the time. And I call both of those things self-care. Yeah, no, I think yeah, that's brilliant. I love it's almost like an all encompassing self-care practice. Yeah, it's just living every day, having having the courage to just be a human being in your body and all the sensations that comes with it, knowing that you get to decide how you want to spend that time. And the more that you're okay with not being this perfected being, <laughs> the more you allow yourself to just follow whatever your body wants at that time. And for me, I guess going through the experience of being really sick at one point, I'm not willing to go back there. I'm just not willing to do that. So I don't, I put down boundaries where I need to, which was a really hard thing for me to do initially is shifting into a, being a, I'll do anything person. And like, if anybody asked me to do something, I would do it. And I, I felt bad about canceling plans. If my body wasn't feeling right, I would force myself into doing things. So it really like, it didn't reflect well in terms of my health and that affected me and I got the very clear message of that and I'm not willing to go through that again. So it's enforcing those boundaries when I know I need to have that space for myself and then knowing when it's time to, okay, engage with being social again. <laughs> and like I go through these periods of being a little bit more in insular and then I go out and it ebbs and flows like that. And that's just how I care for myself. I think that that's beautiful, 100%. I can completely relate to the boundaries thing. 
I'm the type of person who says yes to absolutely everything. And while that's gotten me really far in life, (laughs) it's also super stressful and doesn't allow me to like have any time for myself. So it's cool that you've, you know, developed a self-care practice that works for you. And I think that that's so great that you really don't have like, I'm the type of person who quote unquote needs rules. Like Mm -hmm. I need to go for a walk in the morning. Otherwise I won't do it. Like I just won't do it. So Mm -hmm. I know that that makes me feel good and that works for me but I love your approach of just like every moment of every day I'm going to choose to nurture myself that's that's awesome <laughs> that's maybe one day I'll get there <laughs> yeah oh, I, well I mean I just like to know that like it can look different every day yeah. like because the thing is I find that I I was somebody who I always wanted to have that routine because in a way that routine can be helpful to get us to a place where we feel safe. Mm -hmm. And like, so for different periods in our lives, we might need to have that structure so that we can start to come back to our body and feel safe in our skin again. And then as we start to feel a little bit stronger in our body, a little bit more connected to ourselves, we can like put in a little bit more flexibility. And so maybe my walk today will include just going to the farmer's market and walking around there maybe it's not actually going up and down all the hills to get a little bit more of a burn I'm just going to stroll around the farmer's market instead so I switch it up based on whatever's happening right now but for somebody else it might be that there needs to be more of a structure initially when you're developing the self-care practice and how so we've both been talking a little bit about listening to our body and not forcing ourselves to do what we don't want to do and there's a very separate conversation opposite to that of like pushing yourself you know like the fitspo stuff like all all the fitspo stuff of like pushing yourself and you're not the best until you're sweating whatever those things i never follow the fitspiration stuff but Ooh. how do you listen to your body and know that you know, walking around the market is better than going up the hill. Like, how how do you know that? I think my experience is just moving through trauma and then working in trauma recovery kind of teaches me that mm-hmm. just because I think most of us, the majority of people in this world are walking around in a fight and flight mode without even realizing it. And um, it's kind of slowly killing us in a way, Mm -hmm. just even on an emotional level, we're disconnected all of the time. And to me, I've learned that you kind of have to get into that parasympathetic state in order to be able to hear any of the truth of what's going on for you. If you actually want to start healing things and you're not happy with your current circumstances, you're going to have to look at that stuff. And so that's why going for a slow walk around the farmer's market is totally therapeutic because if you're running around like crazy and that go, 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 go harder kind of thing, you're reinforcing that trauma mode. You're reinforcing this idea. It's, uh, this is not safe. I got to go harder. Like I can't be okay as I am. I can't be okay as I am. I got to push forward. And it's just not allowing any room to literally breathe. And how can anybody heal that way? Totally. And I think that go, 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 at least for me, is coming from that negative critical voice. Um, And I know a lot of people internalize that. Maybe it was from like a bully in school or your mom that picked on you, you know, saying certain things that were totally insensitive. What are some of the ways that people can effectively silence that negative critical voice? Any tips? Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, it's like, I like to go back to and I look at the way that children 
process the way that they deal with the world in a very natural way that we're kind of educated out of. And I try to model myself after what a kid would do, basically. And when we're a kid and we're born into the world, we're feeling it. And we don't really, there's nobody putting a judgment on a baby for crying, really. But even as we grow just a little bit, we're getting the message subtly in little ways that it's not okay to actually go through that expressive process. And then we shut it down. And so for me, understanding that that voice was built kind of out of that progressing silencing from the world and is not really our fault that it's there. I think that getting caught up in the fact that it's there, like we stop ourselves, we judge ourselves that, it, that this voice is here and it's our fault somehow. But for me, it was really key to understand that it wasn't really my fault. And once I understood that, that it was like, I don't really want to blame myself anymore. And it got quieter. It just got quieter when I started to have a, develop a better understanding of why that voice was there in the first place and that it wasn't even really mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And it's not yours. I know that my um, coach, Summer Inanen, she was, I've shared her stuff constantly. She's so great. And she calls it your doppelganger. And something that's helpful for me is when I have that critical voice. And I mean, it happens a lot. Like I put myself out there a ton and I get a lot of negative feedback and a lot of critical thinking inside of like, who are you to share this information and it constantly, but instead of, you know, listening to that critical voice, I say, well, isn't that interesting? What are you trying to protect me from? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that Summer taught me so well is just anytime I'm having that critical thinking or or critical behavior, like my behavior, if I start restricting my food or I'm like jonesing to weigh my body or, you know, I'm feeling like I've gained 5,000 pounds, how could I possibly, you know, like the rigmarole of de- digging yourself into a deep hole that you can't get yourself out of. It's always like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm believing these things. Where is that coming from? Like, what, what am I trying, what is my doppelganger trying to protect me from? And oftentimes it's like, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to be judged. (laughs) I don't want to be rejected. And then I'm like, okay, well, what are things that I could do that make me feel like I'm not being rejected, that I'm not being judged? And usually it's spending time with friends and family that love me a lot or doing activities that make me feel like my body's really powerful. Like spin class, for instance, my thighs are ginormous. Like I can spin until the cows come home and it makes me feel really good. Like, wow, my thighs are actually here for a purpose. Like I got muscles in there. So, you know, doing those sorts of activities, like you said, can really like take yourself out of that critical voice. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. I mean, like you said, those defenses were built for a reason. Like that voice got built to protect us from what we thought was going to be a threat against something. And so it's like, it's something that I think we all have and we're not alone in that. And just reminding ourselves that it's not who we are is so key. And then we can sort of see that a little bit more clearly and move in the direction of making different choices where we do feel more loved and more more connected to the truth of who we are, which is like you said, connecting with those who are our intimate connections or doing things that fuel us and feed our spirit. Totally. Feeding your spirit is so important. (laughs) And I mean, without that, we were talking before we started recording of just, you know, when you're not connected to yourself and you're pushing yourself and you're not creating these boundaries and, you know, you're forcing yourself to do things you don't love to do. Chances are your body at some point will just be like, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't want to do this. And here's some adrenal fatigue, some thyroid imbalances and some weight gain and have fun with that. Oh, don't forget about the brain fog. You know, it'll just kind of like 
added all on. So although, you know, some of these body love conversations and talking about like listening to your body might sound a little bit, I don't know, woo woo, as my husband would say, Mm -hmm. when it gets down to it, your body is here and it's the only thing that's helping us experience this life. Yeah. And it's been hearing us. It mm-hmm. hears what we, our, our choices and what we say to ourselves and the beliefs that we have. And so what will come out is, is a physical symptom. So there's your real evidence that it's not so woo woo. It's like, no, no, there's a reason that's there and that's happening. Oh, that's very true. I know that when I was vegan, I used to struggle with these like massive stomach pains. Like it, they were, oh my gosh, like I can't even describe. Well, the way I used to say it is there's a gremlin in my insides with a knife stabbing me. Like oh. that's, that's what it felt like. And a couple of months ago, I had that very same pain. And I was like, what the heck? I'm not even eating vegan. I thought it was because of the beans and everything else that I was eating that didn't resonate with me. But I was going through a very traumatic experience and I was stressing about everything. And that was my life when I was vegan. Like I controlled absolutely everything that entered my body. And when I started to get stressed, a couple of months ago it displayed in a physical symptom very quickly and so it wasn't the food it was just that mind space that I was in at that current moment so that that was very like it just took it home for me of like right yes okay I need to go for a walk I need to do things outside of work and outside of this situation so that I can like ground myself Mm, yeah it's the same thing for me when I was obsessing over healing my body and I was going through just medical treatments and like looking for how to like what could what medicine could I take what treatment could I do and I was like obsessing over trying to control everything through these treatments I was getting worse physically Mm. and it just didn't make sense because I'm doing all the quote-unquote right things and it wasn't until I relinquished some of that hyper vigilance that my body actually started to turn around so I saw the evidence of what happens when you release that control and I couldn't deny it that's so cool oh that's so cool I love that stuff and I mean that's almost self-sabotaging in a way like I see so many women in my practice and I mean I run into people all the time and they're like and then I did this and this and I ate this and this at this time and this weight and everything and I'm thinking in my head like oh my gosh I can't even keep anything you're saying straight in my head and it's really a form of uh, I mean, there's a couple of things. One is, you know, not trusting yourself and and that's not your fault. The reason, you know, the reason you don't trust your body is not because you're bad or anything. It's just because you were told that your body cannot be trusted. That's first off. And Mm -hmm. the second piece is, you know, that that self-sabotaging activity can be related in so many ways. Like I know uh, I have so many experiences of experiences of this rather where you know when I was on the whole weight loss thing and trying to lose weight and all the the stuff I'd lose the 10 pounds and feel really great but then sabotage the experience by eating a whole bunch or being really mean to people and just not being myself Mm -hmm. do you have any experience of self-sabotaging as it relates to like listening to your body and stuff? Yeah, only a lifetime of it. Oh, great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's how, you know, when you end up in a state where you're chronically ill, I mean, it came from chronically doing that pretty yeah. much <laughs> because I, I learned very young that my body was not a safe place to be and I didn't trust it from a very young age. And so I was in a constant state of fighting myself and like, this is not good. And, and I was like, the body was the enemy 
And so I was punishing myself through all these different things that in different addictions, I guess we could call them with, with food and then eventually like with alcohol and things like that where, and then I, you would think it, you tell yourself that it's normal to go out and kind of tune out and numb out and have drinks after work all the time and doing a lot of stuff like that is completely disconnecting from yourself, which is another way of fighting your body because you're not allowing it like yourself to to feel what's there to heal it so if you're not feeling what's there to heal it you're working against it (laughs) and so I'm I was that's a fight that's me fighting me and I was chronically in that state and not even realizing how bad it was until I reached kidney failure essentially and so Mm -hmm. it's just like all right there's something here I got to look at and and there's a there's a message in this that we get very sick from engaging in these addictions and these forms of avoidance of ourselves and of life and allowing it to happen to us and that kind of constant with the food with the restriction that constant restriction is the same thing as restricting our emotional experience so that we're having some heavy duty feelings about what's going on inside of us and we're not willing to feel it we just don't want to deal with it and we think that's going to control it somehow we think if we can control the food and do everything perfectly it's going to somehow magically make me feel better but the feelings aren't actually digested they're still there you're just trying to exercise control of how can i how can i like cover this symptom up it's just another way to to cover it up and that's what addiction is essentially it's escaping an emotional truth so this obsession with clean eating and doing all the right things. And it will end up screaming back at you that you still haven't felt something. You still haven't dealt with something eventually because it is an addiction. Totally. And it never makes you feel better. (laughs) No. no. And then you're kind of shameful and guilty afterwards. And so now you're like, oh, here's another reason to beat up on myself. But once you can start understanding like how it formed, it's a little bit easier to see it wasn't your fault. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's sad that, you know, two women chatting here that like, it sounds like you've been through a lot. I know that I have too. And it took, it took me, I got pretty low before I realized like, oh yeah, whoops. Okay. I almost killed myself. Like, (laughs) but like, really, does it really have to get that far? And that, that's really why I started like way back in the day. That's why I started Healthful Pursuit because I, you know, I been a drug addict and eating disorder stuff and all the stuff just compiled and I mean if there's anyone listening that just hates their body that much that they have to do all of those things like let's make sure it doesn't get that far you know and it it really for me now that I've gone through everything over almost a decade of being in recovery and well over a decade of being in recovery mine was a fear of my power just like I have all these things that I want to share and all this stuff and oh my gosh that's really scary I can't deal with that mm-hmm. you know and that can be that can be really scary and for others it could be a totally different thing but yeah that self-sabotaging you know when I think self-sabotaging now I think you know you lose 10 pounds and then you like gain it all back really quickly because you're really scared of you know what that life will bring to you you know that 10 pounds later what does that mean but I mean, the deeper self-sabotage, like you were saying, comes into like the activities that we're engaging in that harm ourselves and our well-being and our ability to heal far, far, far beyond like what our body looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, 
with that obsession of trying to do all the right things, like even let's say after you move through, you're not engaging in disordered eating or alcohol and drugs or anything anymore. And you can go into that clean eating realm, like understanding that anything like we have to be so honest with ourselves with how we're engaging and healing our bodies and connecting with our bodies or not because that's just as much of an addiction as anything else and I certainly went down that path and that's what keto kind of highlighted for me even more is seeing that oh wow yeah like anything can really be this addictive pattern to avoid that power that we have that responsibility that we have to take over our lives and knowing that we can actually develop faith in ourselves when maybe we've learned the opposite our entire life we never believed in ourselves so that's kind of scary it is very scary and I know like I've interviewed quite a lot of people so far off the podcast and like some of the things they say I'm like ooh, that's gonna be triggering for some people you know mm. but it's different for everyone <laughs> like mm. I just finished a recording and it was fabulous but you know we chatted about sugar and strawberries and how strawberries are bad and I was like oh no <laughs> like because some people like for some people I know for me if I don't eat strawberries or like berries or I don't have any like just something sometimes I will eat all of the candy like that is like I just I have a sweet tooth that's just a thing and so it's different for everyone and I think in the space of healthy like a quote-unquote healthy healthful clean quote-unquote living it can be a slippery slope like you said the podcast is partnered with vital proteins the leader in sustainably sourced collagen for a full vibrant life as you know, podcast listeners receive 10% off plus free shipping in the U.S. on all of their favorites over at vitalproteins.com with the coupon code VPHP10. That's all in caps, no spaces. Beginning February 1st, 2017, Vital Proteins and I will be putting together something super special that will replace the coupon code. Stay tuned into the podcast for more information leading up to February 1st. In the meantime, the coupon code VPHP10 will continue to work up to January 31st, 2017. And something that I've noticed on keto is like my BS monitor has gotten really good. And I'm yes. like, no, this doesn't like this doesn't make sense to me. And if it really doesn't make sense to me, I'll just like cut it out of the podcast if it's something that I'm sharing because I'm not okay with sharing that information or you know if I'm listening to something or somebody says something and I'm like nah that just I'm just gonna let that flow it doesn't mean that I can't get information from that person but sometimes you know you have to use that meter um, yeah and I, I mean and it's yeah. six, oh, sorry go ahead I was just gonna say the more you know yourself and the more your the relationship with yourself is built the easier it is for that meter to get pretty strong I would say oh yeah and that requires vulnerability which I think is the strongest quality that we could develop having that humility and vulnerability to say like we don't have all the answers and people and myself included in that when you get involved in that clean eating thing you could think that this is the answer to everything mm -hmm. and everyone should be doing juicing and everyone should be doing this and you go and you tell your friends about all the documentaries and I went down this huge rabbit hole of thinking this was it and everyone should subscribe to this when that's just 
it's like a facade and it's not true and it's not really being vulnerable to the truth that, well, we're all different. And so much of what I followed seemed to be like wanting to create this image of health, maybe with the intention buried deep down in there of wanting this like little desire to, to kind of be better than where we are. But it eventually kind of snowballs into this appearance of health, which isn't the truth. It's not really real. Yeah, it's fake. It's all yeah. fake. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets, yeah, it's really scary when you start to see it like that. And I mean, you know, 20 years ago, it was weight loss. And now it's health. And you know, we were forced to, you know, look at our bodies as wanting to lose all the weight. And now it's like, if you're not clean eating, clean eating, you're not a good human. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to life. Like if I, if I cared as much about all of the body things that I did five years ago, there's no way that I would have a business. There's no way that this podcast would be a thing. There's no, there's no way I would have a mortgage. Like, because I was so consumed with all of that stuff that I had literally no time for anything else. So let's chat a little bit about maybe, because you mentioned that you're more on a fat fueled protocol now than a like strict keto protocol. How was that transition for you from like the strict keto protocol to the fat fueled protocol? And how did that help you get a sense of everything? Well, I noticed that what got triggered was like when I started doing the keto, it's just I want to do do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. So that was my cue that those feelings were still in me that it was like, oh, I'm still trying to do everything right. And this is just just because I soak up all the information I could get on doing keto perfectly doesn't mean my body's going to react exactly how people are talking about. So I think I started to feel a little bit off when I was getting really rigid and controlling. And it was good and helpful for a while to notice that to get some kind of, like I said, I needed the structure at the time because I didn't really know what to do or where to start. So it was a good starting point for me to switch over to a different perspective and understand how does it feel to incorporate this lifestyle? And then what is my body? How is it reacting? And then tweaking it based on how it's reacting. And that's where the fat fueled approach came in and showed me that it didn't have to be this way because my body after a while was not reacting so well. It just, it was showing me that it, it wasn't maybe the total picture. And I needed to go through some kind of like grieving process to be like, oh, but I can't be in ketosis. And it's like, I wanted to do this. And it's so it's like I wanted to do it perfectly. And and if I eat just a little bit of carbs, it's over 30 grams, then I'm not going to be in ketosis. Like somehow that defined my worth again. (laughs) Like like now I'm not going to be a valuable person if I'm not in ketosis all the time or if I have like 50 grams of carbs when in reality before I was eating so much much more than that. So why am I now just like laterally moving to this other place and beating <laughs> myself up? <laughs> like this doesn't make any sense. And so when I read Fat Fueled, it was like, oh, I can breathe better. And I'm actually starting to feel like happier because I get to enjoy my squash more often. I get to enjoy my sweet potato chips and I get to enjoy all these things. I'm not restricting. I was still restricting and I didn't even really realize it. And having that restriction in there being so strict was incredibly triggering for me. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is making me feel lots, all sorts of things. And my body is having, it's telling me something isn't right and balanced. I'm stressed. I'm feeling stressed. So that indicates an imbalance to me. So switching over to fat fueled, I started to feel more balanced and happier. And I'm like, all right, 
now I know this is much more tailored to where I am right now. I don't need such a rigid structure at the moment. I can be flexible. Totally. Well, I'm so happy you found it and that you really made it your own. That makes my heart so happy because I was definitely in that place too. And I'm like, this can't be the only way. (laughs) This can't be the only way. And so funny that you say that too, because I know I was like at the 20 gram carbohydrate place and I was like, oh gosh, if I could just have 10 more carbohydrates, like just need 10 more grams. And I like struggled with it for months, months Mm -hmm. until I just said, screw it. And now like I can be in ketosis at like 80 grams of carbs. So uh, like it, it, you nailed it right on the head of like your body will dictate what it needs. And if anyone gets anything out of our conversation today, what I really took away from what you said is it's not about the food Mm -hmm. (laughs) while keto helps. And it's helped both of us so, so spectacularly. It's really not about the food. So if you're stressed about that carbohydrate amount or moving things around, or you're stressed about what people will think about your body, like it's not actually about your body. It's not actually about the food. Let's dig a little bit deeper and see like what's actually going on. And what, yeah. Yeah. And like if our quality of life is affected, we have to look at that. <laughs> totally. Huge. Yeah. I actually saw my sister for the first time in three weeks today and we're super close. And she looked at me, she's like, you look fabulous. What your skin, like, are you drinking more water? Mm. I'm like, no, I'm explorking. And this is a thing that Kevin and I have been doing where we get in our RV and we like go explore places. And I don't know what it's done to my health, but it's phenomenally better. <laughs> like it's crazy. So it goes far beyond what we're eating. The fact that my sister said my skin is glowing. She was like, are you pregnant? Like, oh gosh, I hope not. But, <laughs> but that's enjoying my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Imagine that enjoying your life. So I totally agree with you. And I really, really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more and see what you're yeah. up to? Well, my website is thedailyinfusion.com. And I have a YouTube channel under the same name. And it, I, I offer coaching sessions for just anybody going through the chronic pain and chronic illness and counseling. So they can email me at info at thedailyinfusion.com. So good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Jamie. I'm glad we got to chat. And just thank you for everything that you share and you do, just your flexibility and your vulnerability and your courageousness in how you share is just so valued and needed. And just thank you. Thank you so much. It's, you know, I'm sure you know, being in, you know, the place that we're at online, you don't really get to connect with people as much. No. So it's nice to hear, like, I kind of just throw stuff on the internet. And I'm like, I hope people get something out of this. So it's yeah. really nice to hear that there's somebody out there that feels that way. So that's really great. Thank you. so oh, much. many people, I'm sure feel this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so, so much for being on the show. And I will include all of Jamie's links and everything that she shared today on this episode uh, you can find the show notes at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash podcast forward slash e16 and we'll see you guys next week And that does it for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow me on Instagram by searching Healthful Pursuit, where you'll find daily keto eats and other fun things. And 
check out all of my keto supportive programs, bundles, guides, and other cool things over at healthfulpursuit.com forward slash shop. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.